Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This episode is episode 311, and we're talking about house-sitting. That's right. Uh, before we get into house-sitting, we should talk a little bit about what we've been up to over the last little while. Well, it's been a pretty busy couple of weeks. We've been doing a road trip with our friends Janine and Ange around the Yucatan Peninsula and a couple of other regions of Mexico. That's right. Since we left you in Cancun a couple of weeks ago, we have travelled a couple of thousand kilometres by car. We've been out to Valladolid, Chichen Itza, Merida, Uxmal, Palenque, San Cristobal, a few small towns, a few small towns where people extorted us for money, then off to the Bacala Lagoon, and now we're near Puerto Morales for our last few days before flying out to Cuba. That's right, we're really looking forward to it. We've just finally bought tickets away from Cuba because if you want to go to Cuba, you need to have return flights in order to get the tourist card. And uh, we can apparently buy that at the airport. And, you know, since my uh, Ukraine debacle with not having a visa, I'm very, very cautious about this kind of thing. So I really want to get the, the tourist card. So we just finally bought our tickets. And, uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to our time in Cuba that we're not quite sure what it will be like. We've been reading about things and people have given us advice, but... It's one of these countries that we find hard to imagine before we go. So we're really looking forward to it. Absolutely. And if those Mexican place names all sounded like a complete blur, don't worry because we'll be telling you much more about them in the coming months. It's been an amazing time. But what's what's been your favorite time so far? What's been your favorite place so far, Craig? I guess that's really hard to say as always. But one experience I think I remember for a long time was when we're in Palenque, and we were in the Mayan ruins near there. So they have some amazingly beautiful uh, temples there that have been excavated and fixed up. But the areas that's been excavated is only about 4% of the total area. So we hired a local guide to take us into the jungle where we climbed Indiana Jones style over uh, the top of well, what we just thought was jungle and then realized that what we had been climbing up for the last 10-15 minutes was in fact an unexcavated Mayan pyramid. That was really cool. But even cooler was when we got to the point where the guide pointed out a kind of man-made waterway, an aqueduct that had been cut into the earth and lined with stone. And then he said, yeah, well, if you want, just take off your shoes and jump down that hole there, and I'll see you down river in 10 or 15 minutes. And so we climbed down into the earth, into an underground aqueduct built God knows how long ago, over a thousand years, and uh, made our way down and around and popped out the other side so that was really memorable yeah it wasn't very long it was only about 10 meters 15 meters long but it really felt like an adventure and what was really cool about it was that beside the aqueduct was a still functioning swimming pool it had some cracks in it so it wasn't filled right to the top but you could see how mayans you know several hundred years ago could have been swimming in it i really liked going to the the mayan museum just outside of merida because i really felt like i filled in some of the gaps in my knowledge about about the mayans because We'd already been to Chichen Itza at that time, and we hadn't been to Uxmal or Palenque. And, you know, I just didn't really understand the Mayan culture or, or when they'd lived and all of this kind of thing. And it turns out it's, it's one of these really, really long-running civilizations. I mean, started well before Christ and is still going today. So it was really interesting to see, you know, how the civilization changed and when these ruins were built. Because you think of Mayan ruins and you think, well, maybe they've all been built around the same time, but they've been built over a period of thousands of years. So that was really interesting.
cliche. Well, we'll talk a lot more about Mexico in coming shows. Today we're focusing on a topic that is becoming more and more part of our travel, how do you say? Our travel style. Travel style, yeah, that's quite nice, uh, which is house-sitting. This is a way, if you're traveling for a longer time, where you can uh, save money, find places that are more interesting, and also get to experience a little bit of local life. So in the show, we'll be talking about how we kind of accidentally got into it, how we've been using it over the last year and the the great house-sitting experiment, then giving you some tips and advice on how you could get started if you're interested in moving forward with house-sitting. So first of all, let's talk about what house-sitting is. So the idea of house-sitting is that if you have a house and you're going away, but you don't really want to leave your pets alone, or maybe you just don't like the idea of leaving your house unoccupied, you can find someone to house-sit for you which means to live in your house while you're away. And if you are the person staying there, that makes you the house sitter. So that's what we've been doing recently. We've been using a website called Trusted House Sitters to find places where the the owners of the house are going away and we can go and look after the house for them. But it didn't start off like that, did it? I mean, our house sitting journey started off a lot less formally. Well, yeah, I suppose the very first time we thought about house sitting was when our friend Graham was house sitting back when we were at university. And uh, we'd, we'd go and stay with him in the house But the first time we ever started house-sitting was when we were back in New Zealand after our first trip away. So we'd been away for about three years. And our friends Robin and Chris were going to be going on their honeymoon. And they said, oh, do you want to house-sit for us? It's about a month. And we'd been back in New Zealand for about about six months, and we were going to be leaving in two months. And we thought, well, not paying a month's rent would be quite good for us. So um, we decided to to say yes, and uh, we we house-sat for Robin and Chris over Christmas, which was really cool. Yeah, we looked after not only the house, but also their cats. And that was my first cat experience of any great time. Then four years later, we were planning to come back to New Zealand. And our friend Glynis got in touch with us and said, Oh, I hear you're coming back to New Zealand. Do you want to house it for us when you're back? And uh, we were planning on getting a flat when we came back. But because Glynis was going to be away for four or five weeks, we thought, Oh, well, maybe we can just string together a whole bunch of house sets and we'll see how that goes. Especially because Craig's parents were happy to have us during the gaps in this itinerary. So, um, yeah, we, we went and house sat for Glenis out in West Auckland. And she didn't have any pets, so it was really just looking after the house. And that was really nice. And then just after we said yes to her, another couple of friends got in touch with us and said, oh, can you guys house sit for us over Christmas? And we said, yes. While this was going on, I was talking to some of my workmates about house sitting. And my friend Elaine said to me, oh, oh, well, maybe you could house sit for me. I'm going away for two weeks. You can some, come stay at the farm. And so that was probably one of our most memorable house sitting experiences. We had to look after a pig. Yeah, there's there's something special about getting up in the morning, going outside and throwing a, a bucket of slops out for the pig. And uh, the look of pure delight as, I don't know, 100 kilos of meat comes waddling towards you at high speed. It was hilarious. She also had horses, but they didn't take much looking after. And then after that, we, well, we'd already heard about trusted house sitters, but we signed up for an account and we found a house sit just in Auckland for, I think it was two or three weeks over Easter. It was great. We just looked after our flat. There was a small dog to look after. He was quite nice. And uh, we had access to the fruit trees and just just had to make sure that the house was occupied, really. So our first experiences of house-sitting started with friends and, and looking after their places and their animals. And then as we kind of got more confident and realized that we were quite enjoying living in other people's places for a while, and especially in their neighborhoods and, and finding out what was local... Uh, that was kind of the real exciting thing for me. We kind of expanded that and expanded that. And as Linda's Masters drew to a close in the middle of this year, 
we said, well, let's let's try it here. Let's try house sitting in Europe because we have four months in Europe and we don't mind where we go. Uh, everywhere is excellent. Yeah, so we just started looking and, and lined some things up there as well. Um, before we talk about house sitting in Europe and how we got into trusted house sitters, why don't we talk a little bit about why we house sit and what those advantages are? Well, I suppose most people think of the first benefit as saving money, and that's a pretty big benefit. When you're traveling, not having to pay for accommodation is a really large benefit. But I wouldn't even say that's the best benefit, because we've got a lot more out of house-sitting than just not having to pay for accommodation. One of the things I really like is being able to see a different side of a place. For example, when we were house-sitting around Auckland, Auckland is our home city, but we stayed in four or five different parts of the city that we'd never lived in before, and that was really interesting. You know, when we're staying at Nathan and Jamie's, they live in Otahu, and, and that's an area of the city we'd not really spend much time in, but we got to know the local fast food restaurants and where the library was and where the, the corner store was and things like that. It was just really cool. Yeah, it's very hyper-local travel, isn't it, when you're doing house-sitting, because you're not often in the middle of the cultural district, as you often are with a hostel or a hotel. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've stayed in Berlin recently, and we weren't really in Berlin at all. We were right on the border with the next state. It was great because we, we had really nice neighbours, we had to take the dog for a walk and we'd stop and have conversations in very bad German. You know, because when you have a dog, everyone's your friend. Well, the dogs are friends with each other at least and then the dog owners kind of smile and nod and say, how are you and that kind of thing. So I think that's really nice and that's another benefit is that you're living like a local. You're in a local neighbourhood, living a local experience, going to a local supermarket and just having ordinary life, but just for a short period of time. And touching on that, one of the things I've really enjoyed is being able to have a pet for a short time. I love travel, and we've been doing it for almost 10 years now, but I know that if we had a home and a more settled life, I'd want to have a dog, and we just can't. It doesn't make sense with our lifestyle at all. So being able to temporarily have a dog for a couple of weeks and have most of the fun and uh, none of the expense and none of the commitment has been truly excellent. Yeah, it was really, really funny. When we were staying in Aundel just, just recently, just two months ago, we had a temporary pet dog called Dude, and he was so loving and so enthusiastic. Now, I traditionally was not a dog person, but I think Dude has well and truly won me over because we got back one night after going to a wine tasting, and uh, I stopped to pat Dude on the head, and he just kind of bowled me over <laughs> and started licking my face and just kind of cuddling up to me. It was just... It was nice. It was really nice. That same house that we had a cat called Audi, and the owners told us that Audi wasn't particularly affectionate. But we found him quite affectionate, especially when we were feeding him, of course. But then within a couple of weeks, he was sitting on our lap and everything. So, you know, it was really nice to feel loved and also to give that love back. You didn't start off having a good relationship with cats in the first place, though, did you? Oh, no. When I was a kid, I had a pet cat called Sebastian. And, you know, I have this theory that cats are very independent personalities. Every cat has a different personality. Now, Sebastian had a very strong personality, and it wasn't a good one. He used to like hiding behind a particular bush, and when I came home from school, he'd dart out and scratch my legs. And it must have looked very amusing, and at least my parents thought it was very amusing, but I did not like it at all. So I had a bit of a, an aversion to cats. But Audi and the other cats with pets at four have really helped me get over that. Another great advantage is going places that you wouldn't have gone, and Aundel is a case in point. It's a beautiful English village with wonderful architecture, great people, 
for a while it had uh, a huge number of breweries and that tradition is still there even if the the numbers of breweries have gone down and it was just a fantastic place to spend time i certainly go back i mean we did heaps of walking around the villages going to little village pubs uh, I'd love to go back in summer and hire kayaks or a, a flat boat and go down the canal. Yeah, it was just so much fun, but not somewhere. It was the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah. we pinned it on Google Map and zoomed out, and we're like, oh, when you zoom out, this really isn't near any major areas. So it was, it was nowhere or somewhere we hadn't heard of, but somewhere that we had such a good time. And the same with Glenica. I mean, we've been mm. in Berlin, we've lived in Berlin, but never been out to these outer suburbs. Uh, like Glenica, and it was also fantastic, right by the forest, uh, wonderful, peaceful neighborhoods, just so nice. Yeah, I think that's a that's the major one for me, is to go places you wouldn't have gone. We've recently just committed to a house sit in the middle of nowhere in Panama, and it's a finca, there are horses, it should be quite interesting, but we certainly wouldn't have gone to that particular part of Panama if, if it wasn't for house sitting. So there's heaps of advantages, but what are the negatives? Because, you know, every coin has two sides. That's true. So one of the negatives is the limitation. You have to be home a lot. You know, you can't party all night. When we were in Glenica, the dog really couldn't be left alone for more than eight hours. So we'd go out kind of at lunchtime and we had to be back by eight o'clock. We couldn't really stay out all night. Yeah, there's a lack of flexibility that comes with looking after someone else's home. Uh, you're fitting in around their dates and when they're traveling, and you're also fitting in around the schedule of their pets or other uh, small things that might come up, like being there to pay the gardener as they show up every week or things like that. So you're trading off all of those advantages against a little bit of flex. Yeah, and also things might change. For example, when we were house-sitting in Arundel, the owners of the house were also house-sitting. They were traveling around Australia. And the owner of the house they were house-sitting for got sick and had to come back early so the owners of our house kind of had to move on and, and find temporary accommodation and that's the kind of thing that you know you don't expect to happen if you're staying in a hotel or a hostel or something like that no and other things that well if you're staying at a hotel or hostel you have very little responsibility but in the case of a house that you have a, a certain level of responsibility to deal with emergencies as they come up uh, either with the animals or if there's a break-in or anything like that that goes on, you're the contact person. So you're the one that needs to, to be able to sort it out. Touch wood, we haven't had any problems so far. But we never know what might happen. Also, you're dealing with pets, and pets have interesting oddities. Uh, one story I've heard from other house sitters is that they had a dog that peed when it got excited. So they'd come home and he'd pee all over the floor. And the owner hadn't mentioned this to the house sitters because maybe they just hadn't noticed. But yeah, when, when our friends started uh, house sitting for them, they noticed it straight away. I bet they did and found out all about the cleaning too. We'll talk a little bit more about the practicalities of house sitting now, eh? Because I think that ties in pretty well. Sure. So how do you get started? Um, what's the website we're using at the moment? We're using trustedhousesitters.com. So trustedhousesitters.com, it's a paid service, so you pay an annual fee and get access to all of the listings, and then you're able to contact homeowners directly as they list their house. Uh, if you have your own place and you're looking to do some travel for a week or longer, looking for a house sitter to come in with or without pets, you can also sign up, pay a fee, and uh, list your properties. 
So that's great, but like any trust-based social network, it's going to be hard for you to get your foot in the door if you have no references and no profile. And this is where uh, Linda's become a bit of a master at, at social profiles. You think so? Well, I think the first place to get started is to just do some house sitting. Ask friends and family if they need a house sitter, even if they're going away for a weekend. Say, oh, look, I'll, I'll look after your house for you for the weekend, or I'll look after your pets. And then if you want to, you can ask them for a reference, which you can then put on the website. It's also important to make sure you fill in your profile completely. Choose a nice photo, put some details about who you are, and, you know, be real. Then when you're applying for a house sit, make it personal. You know, don't just say, hello, I would like to house sit for you. Give some details about who you are and why you'd be suitable. Yeah, I think that's part of the thing as well as suitability. You have to make sure that both the the place, the property, and the expectations of the property owner all match up with what you're wanting to do uh, with your time. So if you're wanting to use it for a base to explore and go overnighting a couple of places and they're looking for someone to be there every evening, then you're you're better off just walking away. Um, You don't want that level of stress in your life. So uh, looking at all of the the house sits that you see and try and get a feel for for what's there. Like uh, if you don't like dogs, don't apply to look after dogs. Um, You know, it's common sense stuff, but it's amazing how often we hear stories of people applying that the house owners just don't feel are a good fit. And so you're better off to narrow that down. For sure. Also, I mean, you might need to look at different websites. We use Trusted House Sitters, as we said, but there are other websites out there, and some of them are better for geographic locations. For example, there's a website that's specifically just for New Zealand or New Zealand and Australia. So if you're travelling around there, it might be worth looking into different options based on your location. Also, apply for lots of sits. But yeah, as Craig said, make sure they're suitable for you and make sure you send specific personalised requests. When you say apply for a lot of sits, what, how many are we applying for and what's our kind of response rate? Well, it depends because at the moment we're limited geographically, so we really only want sits in kind of Central and South America. So I haven't really been applying for that many. But when we were in Europe and we had four months in Europe, I was sending three or four requests a day. I heard back from quite a few people, but a lot of them were saying no because they'd already found someone or they found someone more suitable. Yeah, it's a very quick process, it seems to me, between it it getting listed and people making a decision. Yeah, that's why it's worth signing up for the website, because you can search on Trusted House Sitters for the sits that are available. But if you're signed up, then you'll get an email every day with all the new sits. And sometimes, I mean, I've even had the situation where I got the email, and by the time I clicked through to the profile two minutes later, they'd already received a lot of requests, and they were were revising their applications. So I didn't have the, the chance to apply. So... It's a pretty quick process. That's absolutely crazy. Um, But it ties into the next step, I guess, which is once you start communication with people, stay in touch with them. Uh, We've found that clear communication has really been the key to having a successful, fun and enjoyable house sit. Talking often with the owners leading up to it so you can get a feel for each other and understand uh, what the expectations of the person is. And then during the, the house sit, some people have been like, look, we don't want to hear from you in case there's a problem. Other people have been in touch by WhatsApp or some kind of messenger app every couple of days and have been really helpful if we have questions like, uh, how do we get the heater to turn on and uh, things like that. Yeah, that was fun. 
No, it's good. I mean, before we have done almost all of our house sits, we've either met them in person, in the case of the New Zealand one, or we've talked on Skype. And I think that was really good because talking face-to-face, even via Skype, gives you an idea of the people whose house you're going to be looking after and they get an idea of who you are because they're really trusting you to look after that house. So it's good for them to know who you are too. So I've really, really appreciated that. And I've also appreciated having the contact details for the people while they're away. So in the case of the Andelsit, yeah, we were sending messages quite often. For the Berlin one, we sent one or two messages just to say, everything's fine, don't worry, enjoy your holiday. And during all this communication, uh, we've been taking notes, uh, especially around care of the house and care of animals. We often sit down when you first meet and spend an hour or so looking around the house, talking about everything. And then a couple of days later, you're like, what day was I meant to put out the bins? Or (laughs) things like that. So it's great to, to make some notes. And I think our friends Pete and Daylene in their book on house sitting, you can find this over at hectictravels.com, they created a checklist actually that you can go through and make sure that you understand all of the things about the property, all of the things about the pets and what to do in case of an emergency. So that was a really handy book, eh? Yeah, yeah, very useful. It's just good to know what you want, what you have to ask and what you have to think about, you know, do you have the the vet's number, for example, and who's the neighbour to call if you lock yourself out of the house and, and things like this. Or even, how does the dishwasher work? Dishwashers can be quite tricksy things. <laughs> Smooth. Well, I guess that's pretty much it, except to say that you should look after the house better than you'd look after your own. Treat it with respect, and also to have fun and enjoy the neighbourhoods that you're in. That's right. I mean, we were so surprised by Arundel, weren't we? we mm. When we agreed to do the Arundel house, we were kind of joking about how we're going to nowhere, the middle of nowhere. And we thought, okay, we'll just that's fine. We'll just hole up inside, get some work done and we'll be fine. But then we arrived and we found out that it was a market town founded in the 900s or beforehand. There were heaps of things to do. We went to a wine tasting event or we went to the theatre. We just kind of did all sorts of things. We made friends with the neighbours and it was amazing. In fact, it was one of the highlights of the year. So I think you've got to be open-minded, have low expectations so that they can be exceeded and just, yeah, enjoy yourself. That's awesome. Well, we've talked about a couple of resources today, and we'll have links to those at IndieTravelPodcast.com. You can find the show notes by searching for house sitting. And we've also got a bit of a deal from the team at Trusted House Sitters. These are the guys that we really have been using for the last three years. And uh, we got in touch with them and said that we'd be mentioning them on the show. And they've given a 10% off coupon code for anyone that's interested. So you can use the code IndieTravel on checkout. So that's Indie Travel, just like Indie Travel Podcast, on checkout at Trusted House Sitters and uh, get 10% off your subscription. That code is only going to be valid until the end of this year, so make sure you do it now. Oh, wow. Short turnaround time. There we go. You've got, uh, what, six weeks and counting. That's right. If you're listening to this after that time, just send us an email and we'll see if we can do your deal. Well, for the next two weeks, we will be mainly offline, so hold those emails. We are going to Cuba. No, no, send us emails, send us emails. We'd like to hear from you, but just don't expect a response. We've heard that uh, Cuba is not the most connected country in the world. Well, that it has internet, but that it's very expensive and very hard to find. So, oh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Cuba. Yeah, I think it's going to be great. If you have any tips or advice and you'd like to let us know, quickly send us an email right now because we're not going to be able to get it otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) So send us an email, 
mail at indietravelpodcast.com or leave a comment in the show notes or get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.